Chapter Seventeen of Undine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pete Williams. Undine by Friedrich de la Motte Fouquet, translated by F. E. Bunnett. Chapter Seventeen: The Knight's Dream. It was between night and dawn of day that the knight was lying on his couch, half waking, half sleeping. Whenever he was on the point of falling asleep, a terror seemed to come upon him and scare his rest away, for his slumbers were haunted with spectres. If he tried, however, to rouse himself in good earnest, he felt fanned as by the wings of a swan, and he heard the soft murmuring of waters until, soothed by the agreeable delusion, he sunk back again into a half-conscious state. At length he must have fallen sound asleep, for it seemed to him as if he were lifted up upon the fluttering wings of the swans, and borne by them far over land and sea, while they sang to him their sweetest music. The music of the swan, the music of the swan, he kept saying to himself, does it not always portend death? But it had yet another meaning— all at once he felt as if he were hovering over the Mediterranean Sea. A swan was singing musically in his ear that this was the Mediterranean Sea, and while he was looking down upon the waters below they became clear as crystal, so that he could see through them to the bottom. He was delighted at this, for he could see Undine sitting beneath the crystal arch. It is true she was weeping bitterly, and looking much sadder than in the happy days when they had lived together at the castle of Ringstetten especially at their commencement, and afterward also, shortly before they had begun their unhappy Danube excursion. The knight could not help thinking upon all this very fully and deeply, but it did not seem as if Undine perceived him. Meanwhile Culliborn had approached her and was on the point of reproving her for her weeping, but she drew herself up and looked at him with such a noble and commanding air that he almost shrunk back with fear. "'Although I live here beneath the waters,' said she, "'I have yet brought down my soul with me, "'and therefore I may well weep, "'although you cannot divine what such tears are. "'They too are blessed, "'for everything is blessed to him in whom a true soul dwells.' "'He shook his head incredulously, "'and said after some reflection, "'And yet, niece, you are subject to the laws of our element.' and if he marries again and is unfaithful to you, you are in duty bound to take away his life. He is widower to this very hour, replied Undine, and his sad heart still holds me dear. She is, however, at the same time betrothed, laughed Culliborn with scorn, and let only a few days pass and the priest will have given the nuptial blessing and then you will have to go upon earth to accomplish the death of him who has taken another to wife. That I cannot do, laughed Undine in return. I have sealed up the fountain securely against myself and my race. But suppose he should leave his castle, said Culliborn, or should have the fountain opened again, for he thinks little enough of these things. "'It is just for that reason,' said Undine, still smiling, amid her tears. "'It is just for that reason that he is now hovering in spirit over the Mediterranean Sea, "'and is dreaming of this conversation of ours as a warning. 
I have intentionally arranged it so. Culliborn, furious with rage, looked up at the knight, threatened, stamped with his feet, and then, swift as an arrow, shot under the waves. It seemed as if he were swelling in his fury to the size of a whale. Again the swans began to sing, to flap their wings, and to fly. It seemed to the knight as if he were soaring away over mountains and streams, and that he at length reached the castle Ringstetten, and awoke on his couch. He did, in reality, awake upon his couch, and his squire, coming in at that moment, informed him that Father Heilman was still lingering in the neighborhood, that he had met him the night before in the forest, in a hut which he had formed for himself of the branches of trees, and covered with moss and brushwood. To the question what he was doing here, since he would not give the nuptial blessing, he had answered, "'There are other blessings besides those at the nuptial altar, and though I have not gone to the wedding, it may be that I shall be at another solemn ceremony. We must be ready for all things. Besides, marrying and mourning are not so unlike, and every one not willfully blinded must see that well.' The knight placed various strange constructions upon these words, and upon his dream, but it is very difficult to break off a thing which a man has once regarded as certain, and so everything remained as it had been arranged. End of chapter 17 Recording by Pete Williams, Pittsburgh, PA